Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. About what are God's perspective on the songs that we hear every day. And so today is Don't You Forget About Me, which I think is appropriate for me uh, because I have a terrible memory. Is there anyone else, like, you just admit your memory is awful? I mean, I'm telling you guys, my memory is so bad. So like, for example, uh, we all binge watch shows, you know, Netflix especially changed the game. So you'll watch a show over the course of like two days or a week, and then you wait a year for the next season to come out. Well, every time a new season of a show comes out, I have no idea of what happened in the last season. And so I always either do one of two things, and you know, some of you guys can relate, either depending on how much I like the show, I'll watch the whole thing by myself, uh, which usually looks like Terry falling asleep in bed next to me and me just trying to keep the volume at a point where I won't wake her up, uh, or it's finding a YouTube video where I can recap and find out what happened so that I can watch this whole next season. Right? Anybody with me? All right. Mo- movies are the same. Avengers Endgame came out. And so what do you do? You watch as many of the Marvel movies as you can to prepare for it. How many, did anybody do like the full 20 movie challenge? Anybody? No. Nobody. Soft. Soft. So like, so you know though, that's me. It's like if a movie comes out, I got to watch at a minimum the one that came out before it. Now this one, I don't know if many of you guys can go there with me. I'm a little bit of a nerd, and I like to read, and so it's like science fiction and fan. It's, it's straight up nerd stuff, okay? I'm just telling you right now. Um, and I love book series, and books are different. Books are like movies. It's like it doesn't come out every year. You might wait two or three years before a new book and a series comes out, and I'm such a dork that when a new book and a series I like comes out, I read the entire series up to where I left off, which, I mean, so like I've read the first Harry Potter book like 15 times because it's like I got to get caught up. I got to remember what happened because I'm going to read something. There's nothing worse than getting in a TV series, a movie, or book and being like, what? And then you got to go back that. So my memory's bad. I got to get caught up with this stuff. It's just how I need to live. And it's not just entertainment. It's just like, it's kind of life stuff. Now it's I will say it's kind of good in some regards because I do get to like have a lot of like first experiences again or like, you know, it's like I get to relive a moment for the first time the second time. And so like my, my wife will talk about things that our kids did and, and I'll be like, she's like, oh, this is just such a precious memory. And she's like, I, sometimes when I just need to like feel good, I'll just remember that our kids did that. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Or, or sometimes, this is actually my personal favorite. Um, sometimes Terry will be like, man, you remember, you know, back when you were 20 and, you know, you said this thing to that person and you just told them this or you told me this. It's just really wise. And I'm like, I said that? I'm like, high five me. You know, that's, <laughs> whoever that guy you're talking about is, he's smart. I like him. He's a good dude. Good for him. The thing about, like, the things that we need to remember and the things we want to remember is, is they kind of shape us. There's things in life that create our identity, really, or, or you know, kind of define who we are, or define moments in our lives, and we want to remember those things because they're important, because they matter, because they, they, sh- they shape, literally things that happen to us in life that shape who we are and that change us, and I think that because of that, they're worth remembering. And as early as, like, as early as human history being recorded in, in the Old Testament Jewish scriptures, which is, you know, 5,000 years ago, as early as stuff being written down by mankind, mankind has tried to remember things and moments that mattered and that were important to them. 
tried to, to document these things that needed to be remembered because they felt like it shaped their history. It shaped who they were and, and shaped who they were. And, and if we look at the Old Testament, if we look at kind of the old Jewish scriptures, we can see that they had a way of remembering moments and remembering things that mattered most to them and remembering things that really shaped who they were. And we're going to kind of take a look back we're going to go really old school, Old Testament, and we're going to go to the book of Genesis, right? We're going to go all the way back and just kind of see how did they remember moments that were really crucial and important to them. We're going to look at a, the life of a guy named Abraham. Now, we're actually looking at his story. His name changed to Abraham. It was actually Abram before this. So this is like pre-name change. So this is like old, old school. And uh, this is where the story kind of takes off. It says this, that the Lord had said to Abraham. So God appeared to Abraham. And this is the relating of this story. And what God said to Abraham was this. Leave your native country, leave your relatives, and leave all of your father's family. And go to the land that I will show you. And when you go to this land, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, some of you may be familiar with this story, and if you're not, here's, here's the deal. Abraham was the father of, of Judaism. Abraham was the man who, all, that whole faith, that whole religious structure started through him, and it started with this. It started with God appearing to him and making him a promise that he was gonna do something in Abraham's life. God appeared to Abraham and he says, I'm gonna give you a promise, I am going to do something in you and through you. And because of what I'm gonna do in you and through you, it's not only gonna bless you, it's gonna bless your family, it's gonna bless the people around you, and it's gonna bless generations of people who come after you. So God said, I want you to do this, I want you to pack up everything you have, and I want you to go to this place that I'm leading you to. And so what we see that Abraham did is he did what God said. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him, his nephew. And then there's a lot of stuff in here, just details about how Abraham packed up all his stuff, took all of his family, left everything he was familiar with, and he said yes to what God had asked him to do because he believed the promise that God had made him when God showed up to him. And at the end of this passage, we can see this, that after Abraham went to this new land that God had promised him, that Abraham did this. He said, or the, the Lord did this. The Lord then appeared to Abraham again. And he said, look around. See this place that you, that you left everything to come to? I'm going to give this land to you and to all of your descendants. God made a promise. Abraham responded. And he went. And then when Abraham arrived, God reiterated his promise to what he was going to do. Now, this is what really is, is important for us to look at today. Let's look at how did Abraham respond to this encounter that he had with God. Because if there's, if there's one thing that is certain about this story, it's this. Abraham had an encounter with God. God showed up, he spoke to Abraham, and he made a promise to him. Abraham had a legitimate encounter with God, and this is what happens. So Abraham built an altar there, and he dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. And then after that, Abraham traveled south, and he set up camp in the hill country. He traveled around through this, the other areas of the land that God had given him. And then when he made it to Bethel, or, or he set up camp in the hill country, he built another altar, and he dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord there. So God makes a promise to Abraham. Abraham has an encounter with God, and Abraham's response in obedience, after he went and appeared, and he went to the land that God had, had shown him, and God appeared to him again, as Abraham built altars. 
Now, altar is a little bit of a religious term, I think, when we think about it. It has this very, like, you know, sacrifice connotation. You build an altar and you make a sacrifice, you know, to your God, and that's how you worship your God. And so it, it kind of carries with it that kind of idea, but that's really not what Abraham did in this situation. In fact, there's no sacrifice mentioned in the altars that Abraham built. In fact, what Abraham built was very different than a sacrificial altar because what Abraham built was an altar of commemoration. See, Abraham built an altar to commemorate, to remember, and to memorialize the fact that at this spot, I had an encounter with God. He built an altar to remember the fact that he had a moment where God spoke into his life. He had an encounter with God. And so he wanted to remember that moment. So it was built as a milestone, a marker, to to remember the fact that God had appeared to Abraham and spoken into his life. Now, this is not really a foreign concept to a lot of us. I mean, if you remove the kind of the religious imagery out of the term altar, we build a lot of commemorative altars in our lives. I mean, a a gravestone is a commemorative altar. It's a memorial to, to someone who we lost, who we love, so that we can remember their life. Some of you guys have... Um, altars that you have built on your bodies as tattoos. You have tattoos on your body to remember, uh, memorialize a moment, an event in your life, a person who was special to you in your life. Some of you have gone through the painful process of removing altars from your lives because there maybe was an event or person that you thought you'd want to remember, and maybe you didn't, you know, after thinking about that thing just a little bit more. But like, anybody ever carved your initials into a tree? You know, letters or initials carved into a tree are, are, it's a monument to a moment that we want to remember, and and it lives there forever, so we can always go back to it and say, this moment happened, it was real. I think that, I mean, our modern day altars are photo albums and and social media. My my social media is, like, I really don't take selfies. I don't think there's a lot worth selfieing. And so my social media is, is really just to document things that I want to remember. And so primarily it's, it's relational. Like most of my social media stuff are pictures of my kids or family events that I want to document because I know I have a terrible memory and I want to be able to remember those things. In fact, my favorite feature about Facebook is the time hop where every day it pops up, you know, seven years ago. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember that moment. That's crazy. And what's, what's, what's wild about even the, you know, documenting and building altars with of pictures on social media or photo, photo albums is that for me, it's, it's like, it is vacations and it is big, exciting things, but it's, it's not even just that. Sometimes it's just, just a little life moment that I see and I want to remember. Like, there, I, there's a picture, that, one of my favorite pictures of one of my kids is a picture of my son. And I remember I picked him up from kindergarten, maybe first grade, and he's sitting in my car, and the window was down, it was summer, spring, and he's just leaning out the window, and he's looking out the window with this just really content look on his face. And I couldn't see his face directly, but I could see his face perfectly in the, in the mirror on the side of the door. And I was just like, there's nothing special about the moment except that that's what it was. And I, I was like, I knew I wanted to remember this. And so I hit a stop sign. I didn't do all I was driving. But I hit a stop sign, and I pulled my phone out before you could see me, and I just snapped a picture. And I love it. I love that picture because it's an, it's an altar. It's a memorial to this moment that for some reason, for whatever reason, was just really, you know, special to me. And we all need, we need altars in our lives because life happens. And I think that just the nature of memory 
even like, even if you don't have a bad memory like me, I think the nature of memory is that things just kind of slip away from us as life happens. And moments that can be very intense and powerful when you're in them, that the power of those moments can kind of slip away as, as, as time goes on. Now, I've been married for 20 years. I love my wife. I'm so glad I married her. My wedding day is one of the happiest, you know, days of my life. But if I had like, like, if I could take all the, the specific memories of my wedding day and put them into a video out of my mind, it would be like a three-minute video, okay? Because the wedding itself, it was just like, it's just a blur to me now. Now, I go back to those photos, and I can look at them, and I can, rem- I can be like, oh, that was the thing that happened, and oh, that was a person who was there. But apart from that, life has just happened. And it's not just life that happens which kind of degrades our memories. I think, I think too, that like sometimes the power of moments that we can actually kind of walk away from the power of those moments. I think spiritually, uh, I think talking about spiritual altars is, is important too, is what we're talking about today. I think a lot of times that spiritual things happen in our lives that have a lot of power in the moment, but that the farther we get away from them, the impact of it or the weight of it or the power of it can just kind of diminish. It can diminish as, time, as life happens, you know, I had this, this encounter with God, and I, he made this promise to me, and I felt like he was with me, and he was for me, and he loves me. And then, you know, six months later, I lost my job. Seven, you know, seven months later, you know, my, my, the person I was dating, you know, left. You know, two years later, my mom or my grandma got sick. And the power of that moment, that spiritual encounter that I had with God, it just seems like a lot less, because now life is casting a bigger shadow on that memory, and it just feels like... You know, it's not, maybe it's not what I thought it was at the time. Sometimes it's not even life happening. Sometimes we can make choices and decisions where we kind of walk away from those altars, from those encounters, from those moments that we have spiritually in our lives. And I think what's interesting is we see that happen in the life of Abraham. In fact, we see this happen in the life of Abraham immediately after we see him building these altars to remember what God had promised him and what, what, what God had done in his life. And I got the verse up on the screen. They can put it up if they want. I'm just going to kind of tell the story. So this is what's interesting. Abraham builds these altars. He goes to the promised land. He leaves his entire family. He leaves everything behind to start brand new, to say yes to God, to go to this strange foreign place that God was leading him based on a promise and encounter that he had had with God. And that's what that altar commemorated, that thing that he could look at and see, this physical reminder that God had moved. But then when he's in Canaan, this new promised land of famine hits. Food becomes scarce. Things get a little harder. Life gets a little tougher. And Abraham did what so many of us do when we're in these moments, as he decided that he was going to take things on himself. And he was going to try to fix the problems on his own. And so Abraham took his family And he took them out of the land that God had just led them to. And he took them all to Egypt because life was tough. And life, he thought life might be a little easier if he moved them to Egypt because food might be more available. And so he uproots everything, leaves the promise that God had given him and went to Egypt because he thought it could make it better. Now, we can see like immediately in that, it's obvious how Abraham took things into his own hands, kind of forgot this promise that God had made for him and went to do Uh, do things on his own in Egypt. It gets even a little bit worse, though, because it wasn't just like big picture, like, I'm just going to try and get more food there. As he was on his way to Egypt, he realizes this. He's like, he looks at his wife, Sarah, and he's like, oh, man, I I just realized this. My wife is really hot. She's really attractive, 
And uh, he's like, if we go to Egypt like this, I know what's going to happen. Like, all these, these foreigners are going to see my hot wife, and they're going to want my hot wife for themselves, and they're just going to kill me, right? What do they need me for? They're going to kill me, and they're going to take my wife, and then I'm going to be dead, and that's going to suck. So he's like, he, he gets with Sarah, his wife, and this is crazy, okay, but this really happened. He gets with his wife, and he's like, okay, here's the plan. When we get to Egypt, we're just going to pretend that we're brother and sister, okay? So if anybody asks, you're my sister, because then they're going to treat me really well, because to get to you, they got to go through me, and you know, so they'll wine and dine me, so that they can wine and dine you, and it's going to be great that way, and I'll be safe, and you'll be safe, and we'll eat our food, and then eventually we'll leave, right? So that's this plan, this plot, this scheme that he puts together. And so they get to Egypt, and exactly what he thought was going to happen, happened, which, again, is crazy to me that he just went to Egypt in the first place, knowing that this was a thing. And he gets there, and the pharaoh of Egypt, the king of Egypt, sees Abraham's hot wife, and he's like, well, I want that. And so he goes to Abraham, and Abraham's like, oh, I'm her brother. And, you know, and, and he's like, the king of Egypt is like, well, I want her, so come on, hang out with us. I'm just going to take her into the palace. And he does. He takes Sarah, and Sarah goes in to live in the Pharaoh's palace. Now, I don't know what happened in the palace, okay? I don't know what went down between Pharaoh and Sarah. Like, Bible doesn't say, but that is messed up, right? I don't know that there's any point where I'm going to be like, you know what, Terry? I don't really, whatever happens, let's just, for my sake, let's just pretend we're not married. What? But that's what he did, because Abraham said, I've got to take things into my own hands, and I've got to take control of the situation. Well, inevitably, it blew up. The Pharaoh finds out that Sarah wasn't Abraham's sister, and he's like, get out. And so he, he kicks Abraham and all of his animals, all of his people, his wife, and he just kicks them out of Egypt. So they're, they are literally in the same position they started at, back on the move, back on the run, homeless. And this is what happens. This is, this is really interesting. Uh, after they leave Egypt. In Genesis 13, 1, it says this, So Abraham left Egypt, and he traveled north in the, into the Negev, along with his wife and Lot and all his family. And, and from the Negev, they continued traveling by stages towards Bethel. Now, remember that name. And they pitched their tents between Bethel and Ai. Well, we know that place, because that's where they had camped before. And not only had they camped there before, but this was the same place where Abraham had built the altar, and there... When he got back to that place that he'd started, when he got back to the place where he'd built this initial altar to remember what God had done, to remember the encounter that he'd had with God before he went off track, before he made compromises, before he made bad choices with his life, he found himself back at that same place, at that same altar that he'd built to remember. And what did he do? He remembered and he worshiped the Lord again. Now, I guarantee you Abraham was not worshiping the Lord because he got kicked out of Egypt. I guarantee you Abraham wasn't worshiping the Lord because his scheme didn't work. Abraham found himself where life happened. And because life happened, he got off track. He made choices and decisions with his life. And he made compromises with what he knew was right because life changed and things happened, but it didn't matter how big those compromises are. It didn't matter what had happened in the middle of where his life had completely derailed and gone to a place where it should never have gone. And I'm telling you, we don't know the rest of the story, but I promise you, bad things happened in Egypt. Sarah was not brought into the Pharaoh's palace to just sit in a room and look pretty. Abraham wasn't sitting in his tent thrilled that his wife was with the king of Egypt 
with the king of Egypt thinking that she was his sister. Abraham didn't worship God because he had had to walk through those things. The reason Abraham worshiped God was because no matter how far he'd gotten off track, no matter how big the compromises he'd made with his life, he came back to a place where God reminded him that he had had a legitimate and genuine encounter with the God of the universe and that God was not done with him. This is what altars do in our lives when we build them. They create for us a new starting point a new place where everything that came before doesn't matter anymore. We stop and we build these altars and we have encounters with God. And, and anytime life happens or we get off track, we can come back to that moment. We don't have to go back to the, to the beginning of things ever again. We can always come back to this moment knowing that God began a work in me and he has promised that he is going to be faithful and he is going to finish that work that he began in me at the beginning. And we build altars, we build mile markers so that we have a place to always look back to to know that I serve a God who can be trusted and I serve a God who loves me. I serve a God who is with me and who is for me. Life got away from Abraham. He made bad choices. He made compromises. But he had a place to come back to. I know there's people in here, life has gotten tough for you. Life has happened. A famine has happened in your life. Famine's happened in your marriage, in your relationship, in your home, at your job. And maybe as a result, you've taken things back into your own hands. And, and the plan that, God, that you knew God had for you, the things that you knew were right, the right way that you knew you were supposed to walk, this promised place that you were walking towards that God said, if you just follow me here, I have got you. You veered off course because it just didn't seem like there was any other option and you've made compromises and you made, you've made bad choices. And I'm here to tell you that the very first encounter you had with God and any encounter that followed after that is an altar. It's a moment, it's a place in time that you can go back to and God is welcoming you back and he's saying it doesn't matter how far you've walked off course, it doesn't matter what the choices and decisions that you have made, you do not have to walk back to the beginning of failure, you can come back to this moment and you can remember who I am. God's, he's standing at your altar and he's saying don't forget about me. I'm right here. I'm at the same place that you encountered me before. And I'm ready and I'm waiting for you to come back. If you, just, if you just come back, God's calling you back to that altar. He's calling you back to this moment in your life where you encountered him. And maybe you forgot it, but God's saying, don't forget what I promised. Don't let life pull you away from, from what I have for you. Don't let what's happening now cause you to forget what I've already done, what I've already promised, and what I've already built into your life. Remember that I love you. Remember that I have a plan for you. Remember that there's hope that's available for you. Remember that I have it ready for you right now when you just step back and follow me. You see, the spiritual altars that we build become our, a new north star. For example, you know, we, we had um, a bunch of ladies who went to the original women's conference this weekend. Over, about, over 40 women. It was awesome. I just know that because my wife told me. I like I said, it was awesome because I was watching with binoculars from the parking lot. No, I... I <laughs> 
But everything I've heard, was just, it was an incredible, an incredible event. And here's what I know for you ladies that were there. That was an altar moment in your life. And I know this, life is going to get hard. Life is going to happen to you. And you need to be able to look at what God did in your life, what God spoke to you in your life this weekend, and you need to be able to build an altar to this moment so that you can remember who God is and what God did in your life so that when you face those hard times, when you face life when it comes your way, you can go, the God who spoke to me then is the God who's going to speak to me tomorrow. And I don't hear him right now, but God spoke to me then, and he's going to speak to me again. And this is not the last altar that I'm going to build. But if you don't build those altars in those moments, if you don't create those moments where you remember who God is and remember what he's done in your life, when you're looking ahead, when you're facing difficult times, when you're facing choices that seem impossible, when compromise is at your door and you look back, you're starting from the very beginning. You've forgotten the promise that God has for you. Building spiritual altars creates a new north star for us. It creates this new reference point for us as we're walking forward, following God, and going to where he's called us to go, a point where we can look at and we can never forget what God has done and to be reminded about what he's promised. Jesus gave his followers, those of us who are followers of Jesus, Jesus gave us a new altar to remember always. For us, in addition to the personal things, the individual things that God does in our lives, he gave us this new reference point. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22. This is familiar for those of us who are followers of Jesus. This is at the Last Supper. It says that Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying this, this is my body which is given for you. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. There's nothing magical about the Lord's Supper. There's nothing magical about when followers of Jesus take communion together. It's not, it's not this mystical thing. It's an altar. It's an altar that Jesus said, build this up to remember. To remember, this is your new starting point as followers of mine. That your new starting point begins in what I did for you when I gave my life as a sacrifice for you so that you could be reconciled to God, so that your broken and damaged relationship with my Father could be put back together. This is your new altar. And I, actually, I think that as we talk about, you know, our, our broken lives being put back together because of the sacrifice Jesus made, I think that's totally appropriate and reflected in in the altars that Abraham built, because we know this, Abraham took stones that were around him on the ground in this new land that God had promised him, and he built them up into the altar. These stones that were just shaped by, you know, the powerful, destructive, volcanic forces of the earth that broke them and shattered them. The geological forces of the earth that over, over centuries had pushed and ground these stones into being. These broken rocks, Abraham took what was broken and he built it into something that could, that could commemorate and remember what God had done in his life. And in exactly the same way, God has taken the broken parts of your life, the parts of, 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 of how you've lived and the choices and the decisions you've made, your greatest regrets, your greatest shame, all of those things, the things that when you look at them, you just go, ugh. I suck. God takes those broken things and he allows us to put them together and to stack them up into an altar to remember that there's a God who loves us, 
who cherishes us, who gave everything for us. And when we can look at this beautiful thing that the broken pieces of our lives have been built into, we can remember who God is and what he has done. And today God's inviting you to take the broken stones, the broken pieces of your life, and to put them back together into something that doesn't cause you to remember your pain, and doesn't cause you to remember who hurt you or how you were hurt, and doesn't cause you to remember all of your suffering, but instead is completely different that causes you to remember with celebration that there's a God who can put those broken pieces back together, that there's a God who loves you. A lot of altars are made of broken things, but it doesn't mean that we stay broken because God is with us and he's for us. And we can look at those broken pieces of our lives and then we have a choice of what to do with them. We can, we can drag those broken heavy stones along behind us as a weight that weighs us down everywhere we go. You know, we can, we can get mad and frustrated at the weight of those broken stones and we can throw them at people around us because we're just so tired of living that way and, and we, can, we can hurt the people who are closest to us because we're just tossing them around, wounding others. God can build them into a moment where we encounter him, where we experience his promise. We can take that brokenness and create a brand new starting point. That that's the place we, we always go back to. That we don't, go have to, we don't go have to go back to the things that caused the brokenness in our lives anymore because it's not about what broke us because that's not the thing anymore. That whenever we make bad choices, bad decisions, compromises, or we're tempted to go off track, that we can look back at that moment that God took our brokenness and made it new and made us whole and put us back together again. So to wrap up, maybe you're here and you are like Abraham. You love God. There have been times and moments in your lives where you had an encounter with him You've believed his promises, but if you're being totally honest, being completely honest with yourself, you've walked away from that promise that God had for you. You've left that promised land because life happened and you felt like you needed to take things into your own control in order to make them right again. And you feel so far, you feel so distant from this promise that God has for you. And it it can sometimes feel like, is that promise even true? Is it even really real for me anymore? calling you back. It doesn't matter the compromises you've made. It doesn't matter the bad decisions or bad choices. It doesn't matter how far you've gone off track or how far you've gone off the path. There's an altar where God spoke to you and you encountered him and he's standing at it and he's calling you back. He's saying, don't forget me. Don't forget what I've done. Don't forget that I have so much more to do in your life. He's calling you back to that altar moment in your life. Maybe you're here and you don't have any God altars in your life at all because God's never really been a part of your life. Religion, Bible, you know, Jesus, all, you're not, that's not who you are and it's not really who you've, who you've ever been. And, and what you've been doing is you've been building altars in your life. Maybe your altars have been to commemorate your own accomplishments. And you've just tried to make it in life. If I can just build altars to all the things that I've done, maybe that'll get me through. Maybe I can look at that and I can feel great about this life that I'm living and it's not working. Maybe, maybe you have built altars to your own pain. 
and you've built altars to, to the people who have hurt you in the past or all the pain and the suffering that you've gone through in the past and those are the altars you keep looking at because if I can just see how bad it was maybe I'll never get hurt like that again and and the thing is, it doesn't even matter whether you've been building an altar to your accomplishments or whether you've been building an altar to your hurt and your shame and your regrets. Because at the end of the day, what you've been building altars to is yourself. And there's nothing in yourself that is ever, ever going to be big enough or strong enough or powerful enough to, to be able to anchor you in anything bigger than yourself. And God has called you to a life that is bigger and better than what you're living for now. There's a life that is bigger than you. It is bigger than anything you can accomplish on your own, and it is bigger than any suffering or hurt or regret that you have from your history or from your past. And God is at the center of it. And today he's saying this, let me step into your life today. Let's have an encounter today so that you can build a brand new first altar. So that Cinco de Mayo 2019 is literally the date of the first altar that you have built in your life to me and so you never have to go back past that I don't care what you've done I don't care what's been done to you those things are past and they are gone I've got a promised land for you and it starts at this new beginning this new altar if you will just say yes to God today today God wants to build altars in your life and there are people in this room who who you need to take sweep up the broken rocks of your life and allow God to build that in you today and he's asking today will you say yes I'm going to bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promise. I thank you that you are with us and for us and that you want to do something amazing in this room today. And I pray, God, that you would open up our hearts to do just that, God. Let us be transparent and open to you. God, I pray that you would help us not to fight against what you're speaking into our hearts so that we can receive from you and we can be transformed and changed. Today, if you are here, whether it is a first-time altar that you need to build in your life because you're not a follower of Jesus, but you're but you're like, I need this. Yes, I want a new starting point in my life. Or maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, but you've made compromises and you've walked off the path. And today you're like, I need a new, I need to come back to the altar that I built from the, when I first encountered God. And I need God to build a new altar in my life so that I can, I can always have something to look back to to know that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me, that he has something more for me. If today you need to build an altar in your life, I wanna pray for you. Just slip your hand up right now. I need a new altar to be built in my life. There's hands all over the room. Father, I pray this. I pray for every single person who has their hand lifted to you, God. I pray that it is a hand lifted in surrender and in worship, God. And I pray for each of us whose hands are lifted that you would help us to look around to the broken stones of our lives that are surrounding us and that you would help us to gather those things together, God. Not in shame, not in regret, not in embarrassment anymore, but Lord, that you would help us to gather those things together, knowing that you are a Father who loves and accepts us as we are, that you are a God who cherishes us and who has called us out and who has given us a promise that you have a better life for us to live as we follow and walk in your steps. And so today, Jesus, I pray that all over this room that you would build up altars out of broken stones. And I pray that when we look back, that we would not see the shame of our compromise, but that we, we would see the forgiveness and the grace of a loving God that we get to walk in every time we look at this new altar. 
And I pray that when we look at these altars, God, that we would not see the brokenness and the hurt of things that have been done to us or the brokenness caused by the consequences of our own terrible choices, Lord, from the life that we've lived. But instead, Jesus, that those things would be gone and that we would no longer walk carrying this burden, but that we take your burden that is light and that is easy and that we would walk in freedom and in hope and in love in you as we say yes to you, Jesus. And today, I pray with those who are saying yes to you for the very first time. I thank you for your love. And Lord, today I just confess that I need you. I need you to carry my burden. I can't carry it on my own anymore. God, I'm a sinner. I am broken stones. Build an altar out of my life as I offer it to you today. One that I never have to go past ever again, but is always my new north star that today I have an encounter with a God who loves me. Move in our hearts, move in our lives, Lord. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.